I'm at the point that I think it's more important for me to trade money for time than for me to trade time for money. Mm -hmm. And so I'm willing to shorten that timeline to collapse that learning curve and learning timeline into like a smaller timeline if I can hire an expert or hire someone who has been here, done that to really help me push me forward to the next level. What's good, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to episode 35 of Highly Invested, where we invest in ourselves, talk about personal growth, and we ask entrepreneurs and those practicing the financial independence retire early movement about the best investments in time, money, and energy that they've made that have gotten them to where they are today. Hey, everybody, thank you so much for tuning in to episode 35. Today on the show, we have a wealth coach who hit millionaire status by 24, and she has 13 income streams that we're going to learn how she manages her time and handles it all. Her name is Cherry Tung. Hey, Cherry, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing well, thanks. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. I've been, I came across your Instagram account, was it last week? Because that Money with Sill mentioned us together, and uh, it seems like you're kind of the dividend pro I should be learning after. Oh, the dividend investing pros? I remember that. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, that was the one. So how are you doing and adapting to the lockdown right now? Honestly, and this is so not PC, but as like an introvert, I'm enjoying being forced to stay at home since this is like my natural habitat anyway, and I'm able to spend a lot more time on my online business since I don't have to commute to work anymore. Yeah, how about you? It's good. It's a nice adjustment. Um, I'm kind of in the same boat, like grateful to, to be doing okay and, and having yeah. an income coming in, but just trying to stay sane <laughs> being by myself. Yeah. 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 Stay sane. Stay safe. Yeah. Yeah. Stay fit. Stay healthy. Like, do you live on your own as well? Um, I actually have a roommate, so I'm health hacking this. Okay, that's a good way to do it. That's how you should. Cool. And whereabouts are you located? Um, I'm located in LA. What are some of your favorite parts about LA? Like, is there any reason why you live there, or is that just where mm-hmm. you were uh, born I think and raised? It's just really natural. Since I graduated from USC, um, School of Accounting, and then I went into Big Four also in LA, LA office, and then I went into a tech company here in LA. And so it's just like a natural progression that I stay in LA, but I wouldn't say there is one reason that I have to stay in LA. It's just how it naturally flowed. Yeah, were you born there though? No, so my background's pretty complicated. Um, I spent some of my years in China, some of my years in Canada, and (laughs) you're in LA. Okay, nice. And so when did when did you spend time in Canada? It's kind of least relevant. Yeah, so I uh, spent time in Canada when I was in elementary school to secondary school. So like, I guess equivalent to middle school for um, U.S. listeners or right. viewers. Yeah. Uh, whereabouts? Like Vancouver? Yeah, Vancouver, yeah. That's the best part of Canada, honestly. It's so nice. You have the mountains and everything. Did you enjoy living there? I did. I think I was too young to really remember much, okay, but um, true. I, I remember the people. The people are real nice. I remember it's not a stereotype. I lost my wallet one time at a mall and somebody found it and gave it to lost and found and all my money, all my cards were still inside. So it's not a stereotype. Canadians are really quite nice. And they returned it only in Canada. Yeah, That's pretty awesome. Only in Canada. Yeah. Yeah few places where you'll actually lose something and not have to stress of losing it but yeah I, I was in shanghai and i wasn't even like losing pay like people would just like steal from me oh my gosh okay. well 
ironically, I found Korea to be quite safe. Like leaving a cell phone at a bar table and going to the bathroom and coming back, it would often still be there. But just depends on I think the the culture. But that's that's super cool. I'm much more careful about my stuff after living in (laughs) Jane. Who would steal from a kid, man? That's just messed up. But yeah, that's just rude. Yeah, I guess you pick up on those things depending where you've been. But that's awesome. You've got a cool background. And uh, so, what is the first thing you remember buying with your own money, like your first purchase? My first purchase. Oh God, can I just say my first like big purchase? Yes. Okay, so my first big purchase that is non-essential. So of course, paying rent—that's like a big chunk of most people's money. Yeah. But my first big purchase was that online course I bought for $2,000. And at that time, I think part of me is just like, yes, I want to buy this. But another part of me is like, what the frick am I doing? Am I crazy? <laughs> and so right. part of me is just like so scared of getting scammed and scared of like buying something that's not worth it. But I learned some key lessons from it. And I also um, connected with a lot of other buyers that bought the same thing. And then we created like our own mastermind and we tracked our um, online businesses, like our progress. and. Yeah. That really made me realize that there is so much potential with the online space and monetizing what you know, your experience, your knowledge, and the way that you can deliver it is really different from everyone else. So I I think a common thing that I hear people say is that I don't want to get into this space because it is too saturated. And I feel like this common fear is really stopping people from creating content and building their online businesses. And one thing that I want to say is that, yes, this space has like existing people who are doing similar things, but at the same time, no one's going to deliver it the same way as you do because no one has your experience, like your life, your voice. And so that is something that I guess it kind of hit that button in my brain yeah. and I'm like, this can be a possibility. So even though like right now I'm more focused on my coaching program, not so much my online course. After buying that course, I did build my online course. It's on Teachable right now. And it just gave me the extra push and extra courage to create something yeah. for my well, own business. And what was the title of the course, the one that you first bought initially? Yeah, yeah it's called Knowledge Business Blueprint. And like I totally misunderstood the, the program because at first- Is I that the one with to- uh, Tony Robbins and yeah. Dean Graziosi? Yeah, okay. Yeah. So at first I thought it's going to teach me how to build a course because it's like knowledge business. It's not course, but it's not really about that. And even now I'm kind of confused what it's really about. (laughs) It's the mastermind idea though. I think in like the subscription model kind of business. Yeah, it's more about building your mastermind. But I just feel like the targeting might be a little off because it's kind of like, oh, it doesn't matter where you're at in your business. Even if you're a beginner, you can start building your mastermind. But then does that really make the most sense? I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm still not very sure about if it's like worth my monies, but it's worth my monies in the in the sense that I learned how powerful it is to have an online business and like this online course. Yeah, yeah. Or at least just this view or this understanding of, of where the internet's going because... Yeah. I completely agree with that. I think just on that first point you made about no one being able to tell your story, it's like everything's been done except your life when you think about yeah. it. So yeah, if, exactly. if you can flip it in that way and, and just find what's unique about you and deliver that. Now, when did you first realize that you could potentially like quit your job and and become your own boss working online? When was that realization for you? Last year. <laughs> last year? So, so yeah. last year was really... Well, some would say you're really early in your journey then in a way. Yeah, so last year was the year when I did a lot of crazy things. So last year was the was a year when um I moved into a garage. 
a garage. Because I was like, I really need a safe for this down payment, so I moved into a garage. I'm so jealous of LA because of that. You could not live in a garage in Canada. <laughs> oh, really? Well, wait, You'd why? freeze in the winter. Well, it gets to minus 30. Oh, right. Yeah. So it was like a renovated garage. But right. And it's still a garage. It's just like some garage. Yeah. And then so I was there to save money, but then I changed jobs. So I went from my big for accounting job to like another um, private job. So in the industry side. And with that job, I have to commute like two hours round trip. And so oh. I was like, F that. I'm not doing this. But then at the same time, because it was in the west side of LA, it's way more expensive. And I couldn't find a place that was like within how much I want to pay for rent. Mm-hmm. And so instead of actually getting a proper apartment, I slept in my car. <laughs> that's wild but like honestly it's a great way to save money right i mean yeah so okay it just depends on your mindset though because i totally feel you but the the average person would be like hey you're crazy you deserve a bed oh so many people think i'm crazy especially because i made it public on youtube so people were like what are you doing with your life this homeless girl talking about personal finance or not like you have zero credibility because at that time I was like talking about personal finance on my YouTube channel. Right. Um, yeah. And so I was sleeping in my car, but I was still paying rent for my two cats. <laughs> <laughs> so my two cats enjoyed my entire garage ap- apartment right. and I was just sleeping in my car during the week and then going home for the weekend, home as in my garage. And so that was also like another tipping point. It gave me a lot less distractions and it really made me realize what is most important to me? And um, at that time, wow. it was yeah. also the time when I realized how much I love creating and connecting with people. So create and connect are like my two keywords for like every decision that I'm making right now. Hmm. And so I decided to take YouTube more seriously. I decided to um, really start making serious money with this online space and treat it as a business, not just a hobby. And that requires like a lot of, I want to say, continuous work because you can't just have a mindset shift and everything just magically transforms. It's really about every single decision you make after that point to align with what you want to do. So if you want to treat it as a business, there are certain things that you have to, like certain ways that you're doing things to change. For example, for the first five years of my YouTube journey, I was editing my own videos. Right. (laughs) And each video would take me like five to ten hours to just edit. Holy crap, but like such good dedication. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, to just edit, and I realized it was just not sustainable. Now I still edit some of my videos, but I definitely do not edit the majority of my videos because it's just not sustainable if you want to do it as a business. Mm-hmm. And so these are some decisions I made. So I'm currently using my online income to not just feed myself, but also some of the contractors I work with. That's like another responsibility too, but it's just something that you have to adjust if you want to treat it as a business. Yeah. It, it's and it's a time constraint as well, but it, it yeah. it's it's interesting to look back when you first start and see how much longer it took you to do something, and then just with the practice, oh, yeah. though, you get so much better. And how long does it take you to do a video now? I mean, it still takes me five hours. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't get better. You just pay attention to detail, then that's why. <laughs> I don't know. I just feel like it's hard to shorten that timeline. My laptop is slow AF, which I got a new laptop, but it's still on the way because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. that's my first laptop and what since graduation since graduating college your first and only one that's impressive well yeah since graduating college so like my first new laptop new-ish yeah but it's from ebay it's not new it's just new to me 
refurbished yeah. then, I guess the word would be? Yeah, well, I think nice. that's just, I think it's just used. I don't think it's refurbished. Okay. It's just on eBay. Someone's like 2018 laptop and they're selling it. I'm like, let me save some money and not buy a brand new from the Apple store. <laughs> that's a good way to do it. Are you an, are you like a Mac or a PC? I'm a Mac person, so I use Final Cut Pro when I, when I edit. Okay, nice. Yeah, surprisingly, this laptop that I have, it's a PC, but I actually got this one in 2014, 2013 when I moved to South Korea. So like, I've, I'm shocked that it still runs. <laughs> so I'm kind of preparing for the day that it dies and that I can oh, buy a new one, but I'm one of those- This <laughs> Yeah, and I'm one of those people, I'm like, well, if it's not broken, you don't need to fix it. And so it works, but I yeah. know I'm getting close to that. And so, edit videos with it? Because I feel like editing videos just slows your computer down so freaking much. I don't. I just do the audio with it, and that's pretty straightforward. But if I were to add any any more programs, this thing would probably yeah. struggle to, to run. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. Technology, hey? It's opening up the world. It's kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. So what, uh, what did you study in school? At, you said you went to USC? Yeah, so I went to USC for accounting. And I actually, it was like a long story too, but long story short, I went into USC as a cognitive science major. And then because my mom and her inspiration, she was like, oh, you should totally get into accounting because USC accounting school is like one of the top four schools in the entire US for accounting. And uh, yeah, she just kind of pressured me a lot to get into accounting and so I first went to business school and then I went into accounting school because that's like more selective than a business school that, that was how the structure works so I switched my major like twice in USC and I still remember one time I was just at the meet the firms event and yeah. I was in my heels with my resume like so ready and I was there for two hours and the reason is because I was a cognitive science major at the time like it says that on my transcript and I wasn't an accounting student yet and so they did not let me go in to meet the firms and so I was just waiting outside for two hours and I thought eventually I would get in, but they came back to me and they're like, oh, sorry, we only open up our events to current accounting and business students. And at that time, I was just crushed. Like, yeah. I was in heels for two hours just staying outside like an idiot and they wouldn't like tell me straight up what I should do. Like I could have went home, but they just made me wait outside. And this was like, like just before the graduation ceremony or... No, no the, this was like my second year at USC. Okay. Yeah, and so I was just so crushed. And at that time, I was like, I have to get into a big four accounting firm because that was like the one goal that all the accounting students wanted. And so I'm like, I have to Kind of collectively became yours, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I have to prove them wrong. I have to do this. I have to like do this better than the current accounting and business students, which I did. But yeah, it was quite a long story, quite a struggle to get to. I want to say where I'm at today, and it's been, like, not a smooth ride at all. Okay, well, and, hey, at least you found, like, one of your strong suits, though, in math and accounting, and that's something that you're able to show off with all the personal finance stuff, but... I think I'm just a very flexible person. I wouldn't say I'm the world's, like, best accountant. I don't think that's fair. (laughs) I'm not saying you are either, but it's a good... Like you said earlier, though, it's a good skill to have, which is great. Yeah, it's Um, definitely a good skill to have. yeah. Yeah, but can you elaborate just a bit on, like, how... How tough was the schooling? Like going to states in the U.S. Is it really oh, okay. like experience-wise healthy for you? Not healthy? How yeah. experience? Yeah, so, tell us. I think it really depends on your major when it comes to like the how difficult college is. Accounting was really competitive. Like you have to get above a three point three, or else you get kicked out of accounting school. Okay. So um, that that was the situation, but I'm and sure. And is it like three point three to four? That's kind of the the space. Yeah. So four is the max GPA, and three point three, I think it's like a B plus or something like that. 
I forgot, maybe it's 3.3 or 3.5, but you have to get above that to stay in accounting school or else you risk getting kicked out. Right. And so uh, it's like this really high-pressure environment and also everyone's trying to get into the world's top four accounting firms like Ernst & Young, uh, PwC, Deloitte, KPMG, so these four public accounting companies. Mm-hmm. And so I think from what I remember, I was in a lot of pressure. It wasn't healthy at all. I had zero social life. But I'm sure that maybe if you're just naturally so talented in accounting, maybe you'll have a better time. I don't know. I also finished school in three and a half years. So I didn't okay. do the full four years. So I think there was a couple semesters that I took like 18 to 20 units with part-time jobs, with internships, with all these extracurricular stuff. Oh, and so I think that really up. also made me a more stressed out college student. Yeah, it teaches you some things like time management or like yeah. organizational skills, but like, yeah. oh, it just must be so hard. I, I just like putting things on my plate. Well, that's good. Yeah, you're hungry. You're forever hungry. You, you want to experience life. That's great. I just love stressing myself out. <laughs> is, is there a problem with that? Is there any other way to live? I ask myself that sometimes, too. I'm like, sleep is for the dead. No, please. Please sleep. <laughs> yeah, I used to think that, but like, absolutely. I'm like, no, I need eight hours. Do you manage yeah. eight hours or do you have a, no. do you work your day around like a seven hour set sleeping schedule? No, um, I, oh, I, I had such a bad sleeping schedule this past week. Yeah. It's bad. I, I will fix it at some point, but yeah, it, it's pretty bad. I would sleep at like two. It's hard to know what day it is anymore also though. It's so <laughs> tough. I mean, I feel like that might be the case for a lot of people, but for accounting, you have to know what day it is because everything that you do, you have to record the time. <laughs> right, timestamp everything. Which day it is. Like, when did you post the journal entry? There really isn't room for you to forget which day it is because you kind of have to for your job. Yeah, it's so true. All right, so I got the, the main question I like to ask the, the guests, Cherry, is what uh, if you can think back on three big investments that you've made over your lifetime? Uh, whether in time, money, or energy that have helped get you to where you are today? What would be three things that have been important and helpful for you? Okay, the first thing that came to mind is definitely my college education, and that's probably a lot of people's um, case if they yeah. if they went to college. It's a lot of money and a lot of time. I spent like three and a half years in college, and also a lot of money when it comes to books, when it comes to, like, of course, tuition, living costs, food, Right, and, all the other expenses factored in. Yeah, and I feel like I'm fortunate to be able to land a job that is so relevant to my major, but I know that's not the case for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And so one thing that I want, I guess, young listeners and viewers to keep in mind is that you really have to think what is the reason behind what you're doing this. So I feel like with the traditional like schooling system, oftentimes we get so caught up with the little details and when we're in school, we're just, like, focusing on what is within that. Like, what are the smaller components? Like, oh, I have this chemistry exam tomorrow, or I have this math exam tomorrow. But they lose sight of the big picture. And the big picture is, what is the point of going to school? Like, are you going to school for enjoyment, or are you going to school to land a job? And if you're going to school to land a job, then is this, like, is what you're learning going to get you to where you want to be? For me, because I wanted to go into accounting, especially, like, big four accounting, accounting major made sense to me but Mm -hmm. i feel like for a lot of college students they're not really thinking about the big picture they're not taking a step back and thinking about why am i doing this like where where is this going to get me so i think that is a good perspective to have the second biggest investment Mm -hmm. i made is that two thousand dollar course that i kind of touched upon um, a couple minutes ago and um that really made me realize how powerful it is to have an online business and also just being able to do the math 
So this influencer that I bought it from, he is like one of the top influencers in the world and he has like a lot of followers. And just by doing the math, I pay 2000 And then let's say um, a thousand other people pay 2000 Just doing that math made me realize how powerful this can be because he, that influencer, he's not staring at the computer every single minute someone buys a program. He's not trading his time for money. There is no ceiling, no cap to how much he can make with that online product. Mm -hmm. And so that also made me realize how I can really take advantage of this online space and position myself in a way that I can actually start monetizing what I know, my knowledge, and start helping other people. And obviously, it's not really just about making money. It's also about um, making money with integrity. Are you really helping people with this? Um, mm-hmm. Are people really improving their lives with this? And that's like a separate story. Yeah, but, um, like putting yeah. happiness over money kind of thing, though. Yeah, right. so that second investment also, I want to say, kind of like changed my life or like pushed that button in my brain and told me that, hey, this online space is very lucrative and can, and can potentially replace your job. Um, the nice. third investment that I made is one that I'm going to make. And so as a very frugal person, I'm always really um, protective of my money. Mm-hmm. And so I would spend very little on other things. Like I'm super frugal when it comes to grocery shopping and I would like try to get the cheapest thing that I can. But in terms of self-education, I really spend a lot. In the past, I've hired some coaches. I've bought some courses. But this next one is going to be a next level because this one is pretty high ticket as a coaching program it's um the highest ticket that i would have purchased mm-hmm. and this next one i'm going to hop on a sales call with her uh in a couple hours and i'm really excited to hear what she has to say and i'm at the point that i think it's more important for me to trade money for time than for me to trade time for money mm-hmm. and so i'm willing to shorten that timeline to collapse that learning curve and learning timeline into like a smaller timeline if I can hire an expert or hire someone who has been here and done that to really help me push me forward to the next level. Right, kind of put you up to that next tier, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exciting then. And now just to go back, did you find that you were a bit like young starting school when you did? Would you recommend for anyone that like doesn't necessarily know what major that they want to, to take a bit of time to work even just to make some money? don't know the answer to that because that <laughs> was not the route I took yeah. but I have always been pretty entrepreneurial like growing up and I think there are a lot of times that you can do both so some people are like oh you're either a full-time student or you work but I've always done both so when I was in college I always worked when I was in high school even I still worked and then when I was in elementary school I sold things online and so hmm. I think there really isn't like and or in the situation you can definitely do this and that like for example right now i have my nine to five full-time job um as a corporate accountant and it's a pretty demanding job but i managed to have that one income stream and 12 other 12 other income streams so amazing think, yeah <laughs> so i think sometimes it's really important for people to keep in mind that it is possible to have both and um i'm someone who just likes to put everything on my plate and try everything that's before, good yeah like even making that decision and if you can i would say why not make money while you're still in school yeah that's a great point and because i guess maybe when when you and i went to post-secondary there wasn't like the internet wasn't as promising as it is now but yeah like a mix of formal and self-education seems like it's the the perfect combo for Mm -hmm. teenagers these days or young adults but 
Um, and as for majors, yeah, I feel like it's more important for you to like really think about the major if you're going into a very specialized and specific profession. Like for example, for finance and accounting, mm-hmm. you really have to like for a lot of these situations or positions, you really have to have background in finance and accounting to get into these positions. Whereas for something like maybe CS or like if you want to be a what do you call it, software engineer, you don't necessarily need a degree in CS. Right, it's true. And so it really depends on where you want to get into. And um, I think real life experience is always really helpful. I feel like I'm more mature than people my age because I've had a lot of real life experiences mm-hmm. and I've tried a lot of things outside of like my normal route going to college and getting a job after that. Like, am I still on that track? Yes. But did I do a lot of things outside of that track? Also, yes. Yeah, well, that's good. It, it, nothing's linear, right? So you got to make your own way and figure it out. Um, yeah. are, are we okay for time? Like, do you have like five more minutes? I don't want to... Yeah, I have, yeah. Okay, perfect. So you touched on your 12 other income streams. So how <laughs> how much fun has that been, discovering that you can have all of these different sources of revenue? And do you mind sharing what most of them are? Yeah, so um, I, I can just talk about a couple. Yeah, and fair. I feel like Not all the, them, but... the most important or the most difficult part is really starting because a lot right. of people's mindset, they're just trapped at the mindset that I'm either I'm either an employee or an employer. I'm either a worker or a boss. And in my mind, especially because I have like experience in corporate accounting, accounting, I have experience in accounting and also in business school, it made me realize that, wait, why can't you do both? So <laughs> I, I guess all my life I've been trying to do both full-time student and also like working and also both employee and employer. And so in my mind, I'm like, since I'm a W-2, and I'm not sure how it works in Canada, probably something similar, you get your, like, a portion of your paycheck taken out before you even hit the bank. So as someone like that, I already have a part of my tax that's, like, hauled off. So I'm actually able to make more risk in my business. And why do I say that? Again, this is not, like, financial advice. I'm not your CPA. Like, please consult your own. (laughs) Yes, of course. But um, a lot of employees, they don't realize that, if they even if they lose money in their businesses which obviously you don't want to because the number one key rule in business is not to lose money but then even if you lose money which is highly likely for new businesses you can actually write that off on your taxes and right. so this is something that a lot of people don't realize and obviously because they have the state stable income they have money to fund their business yeah a lot and of so people don't realize like, that that's so important yeah, actually people don't realize that people are like let me just quit my job and dive head first into my business and I'm like okay so where are you going to get the money are you going to ask your mom for that like how does that work <laughs> you want to take out a loan go ahead yeah. like yeah if you don't have to though like this time shows if you don't have to you seriously want to stay away from debt yeah. yeah so like at some point I was like it's actually easier for me to start building all these other income streams while I still have this job while I still have security while I can still write off my taxes even if shit goes wrong even if things go wrong yeah and so um it's yeah, okay you can say not... shit don't worry <laughs> it's okay. okay yeah so that was the moment when i'm like okay then how can i start making money and so i looked at what i currently have at the time and i mentioned my youtube channel six years old now and so at that time i think i was on my fourth or fifth year of creating youtube videos and i'm like why don't i really treat this as a business because I think it's always important to look at what you already have instead of like building something completely new. Yeah. And some people they're like, oh, I want to totally change industries and do completely different things. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, I could see that happening, but it will take a lot more um, time for you to get to that point where you want to be. 
while like whereas if you pivot slowly you can actually make money along the way yeah and so that was a time when i'm like why don't i treat my youtube channel as a business and i'll start to make money with my youtube channel and of course that is not a smooth road it's very rocky bumpy road but the great thing with having a youtube channel especially if it's with your own name so i know there are like two branding questions that people ask themselves do i want to use my own name or do i want to use a brand name i think for my situation, because I changed my mind so much, and I'm always, like, trying different things. In the beginning, yeah. my YouTube channel was, like, beauty, fashion, luxury, designer, handbags. And then now it's just, like, dividend investing. I feel like because i relatively young and changed my mind so much, it's better for me to use my own name. Yeah. So since I used my own name, I did lots of pivots, but they still are within my 600-something videos on YouTube. Right. And, uh, yeah, that was... You have 600 videos on YouTube? <laughs> yeah, 600? That's amazing. Talk about yeah. putting in that work, though. Um, so <laughs> the question is some of your income streams. Oh, yeah, some of my income streams. So super long answer, but... Um, yeah, no, but it's it's good explanation, yeah. like, how you get there. Because it's not just, like, yeah. do I do it? You got to, yeah, figure out yeah. what works. So YouTube ad revenue was an obvious one. Mm-hmm. But then because you've established your brand and your, um, I want to say, reputation, your integrity online, you can also start building the other income streams such as your affiliate marketing so if you recommend something like let's say amazon products you can have commission for that so that's another part of my income stream and then there's another part that is course sales so as you establish your brand and establish your um, know like a trust with people Mm -hmm. you can actually start selling them things that can actually benefit them and so course sales another one i also have merch sales so i sell like t-shirts hoodies whatnot um, mugs i don't have it here but yeah cool nice Um, mugs and is that from like eBay stuff you did in high school? No. So um, okay. in high school, no, in high school I didn't do anything. For in middle school, I sold contact lenses. That's super interesting. <laughs> yeah. So I I would go to Asia and I would like bring back a bunch of contact lenses, like those ah, colored lenses yeah. that like make people look pretty. Yeah. I I used to sell those and necklaces and whatnot. And so I've always been like really entrepreneurial ever since a young age. Like going back to like my income streams, yeah. So I have a merch, but um, it's it's Teespring, so I don't have to have any physical inventory. Which to me that's important because I don't want to deal with physical inventory. That's right. something that I just eh, I don't want to touch. <laughs> and then you'll eat enough, there's, but there's there's some stuff you want to keep yeah. off your plate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's also one on one coaching, which the first month that I started my coaching service I already hit my five. Or not five figure that's a lot um four figure five thousand um month and so that still made amazing me, yeah yeah that that made me realize that like this is something that i just started if i just started and i can make this happen can i help other people do the same and so i've also helped other people also fit, hit their four figure month or a four figure client mm-hmm. so um yeah that that also gave me uh, an addition income stream so these are just like some examples of the income stream of course there's like investments yeah but then yeah. the thing with investments is that you need to make sure that you have something inputting into your investments like they right. don't just like throw money on trees you have to put in the money put in the upfront capital to allow your investments to grow and that's with anything like with uh stock market especially or with, with uh, etf yeah, yeah and like index funds but... yeah yeah, you, you have to put money in. It's not like you open a brokerage account and it just like magically gives you money. No, it's and a good point. Like you just have to, you have to consistently yeah. have that input every single month for the dividends to yeah. really work too. So yeah, so I wouldn't say that's a standalone income stream, but I still have that income stream. 
That's good then. Because, yeah, it's, it's a very valid point, though. Anyone that has a job, if you're not just funneling that money somewhere else where you can get dividends for doing it, like, what are you doing with your yeah. paychecks? Yeah. Wild. And also, like, one thing that I feel like a lot Great. of people are too focused on is they're too focused on the traditional ways of investing. Yeah. And they don't really focus on improving themselves. Because I guess we're not really taught about this in school, and we really think like employees and we think like workers but at the same time you are your biggest investment like you are the one making money yeah, and so, so if true. you don't put money into yourself then who who else is going to make that money for you yeah and who are you going to make the money for exactly if you don't yeah, check exactly. yourself so a lot of people for them it's not like the lack of investing knowledge because even if you make like let's say a seven percent return with like a hundred bucks that's really not that much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and and honestly, like, for the average person, less is more. Like, just buying is enough. Like, that's all you need to do. There's nothing more to it. Yeah, so for a lot of people, I feel like it's an income problem. Like, they're not making enough. And so no matter how much you save, no matter how much you invest in the stock market, you're at a bottleneck that you cannot fix if you're not improving your income situation. That's true. So it's like a cash flow yeah. problem. For, for, for a lot of people that I talk to. And they're like, oh, it's because I don't know enough about investing. And I'm like, no, it's not that you don't know enough about investing. I mean, that could be the case. It's an excuse, the I think. One, yeah, the yeah. number one thing you need to fix first is how much you're bringing home. Yeah, and just like how much are you going to make to put in? Like how much yeah. can like, you? how much can you put into the stock market? Like even yeah. if you learn everything that you can about investing, which is highly unlikely yeah but um, even if you learn everything even if you're like a day trading master even if that's the case even though i'm so against day trading <laughs> even so if you don't have so much money to put into that how much can you really get in return yeah it's so true and i think trying to trying to show people with the effects of compounding it it's easy to say like if you only put 300 a month but when you realize the amount of people that aren't able to, to save 300 and Oh my gosh! And yeah, it's just and situational. It's a saving problem if they're just making like fifteen hundred a month. I don't think that's a saving problem. That's a making problem. That's their situation too. Yeah, and and that that's it. Like it's it's not a spending issue, or no, it's not a saving issue. It's usually a spending issue. But, yeah, spending and also making. And also making. That's the root problem. I think a lot of people don't focus enough time on. Yeah, that's the bottleneck that they can't change unless they change how much they bring in. That's so and true. And of course, with like a nine to five job, it's hard to. I guess get a pay raise that often or that frequently, especially if it's so structured and it's based on your experience level. Yeah. So that's why I really emphasize having more than one stream of income that you can actually depend on and um, not just having that one stream of income and begging your boss that he or she will give you like a promotion or yeah. a pay raise because that is not reliable. Like depending your fate on someone else, that to me is just, it freaks me out. That, oh, that's as risky as it gets. I'm totally on the yeah. same page as you. Hectic, yeah. And so, do you mind sharing just a little bit of your asset allocation? Do you have any? Do you have any of your funds in active funds, or do you prefer to use them in passive funds for like total market passive. investments? Always passive. Um, I don't think anyone will care about my money more than I care about my own money. That's a great and point. So, I always try to manage it myself, and especially because I have accounting and finance knowledge. I think I know more than the average person, and I also know some wealth managers, um, <laughs> and I don't think they can manage my money more than I manage my own money, so yeah. it's always like, I either do active stock picking, that is what I do with some of my taxable accounts, or in my retirement accounts, it's all, it's all funds, like I don't have any like individual stock in it, yeah. and um, I, like, I like it that way, and it makes 
me happy and it helps me sleep at night knowing that my money's actually working for me and it's not just like sitting in that like almost no APY um <laughs> yeah account. yeah once you realize everything is a risk putting your money in a fund is is just it's like a yeah. better savings account really but the number one place is always investing in myself yeah and that is something that I really want whoever's listening to this to really think about what can they do to improve themselves because they are who's making the money yeah they the are next one is going to make you more money than yourself yeah exactly the more time spent improving where you're going to end up going is yeah. uh is definitely a good investment always cool and so what do you do you have any i guess i was going to say do you have any big plans for the rest of 2020 but probably put on hold <laughs> that new course honestly i think 2020 is an awesome time to start your online business yeah i see, i try to see everything like everything's like silver lining and see what's good about this and That's so good. this is definitely an opportunity for people to dive into the online space so if you're at all thinking about like starting a youtube channel or starting something that is solely based online i think this is a great opportunity i mean depending on when this is live or like if we're still in quarantine mm-hmm. but i feel like people in quarantine is such a good opportunity for people to have that time for themselves and learn something new, um, uh, create something new. This is like such a perfect time to do that. Yeah. Um, so this is an opportunity and I don't think it's all bad. Like obviously people dying from COVID, that is bad. But there's also the silver lining for those of us who are not dying, who are not like financially struggling to really think about with this extra time that I have without the commute, what can I do with this time? Like what can I do in terms of improving myself or creating something new or creating like even an additional income stream? What are some things that I can do along those lines? Yeah. Ask yourself those tough questions that like are so easily escaped that you don't get to ask yourself that much. It's so true. So I have a few more. What browser tabs do you currently have open on your computer right now? I have your Instagram. <laughs> nice. Good. Doing your research. <laughs> yeah. Make more capital on your Instagram. I have your link tree. And I have my own Instagram. Yeah, my DMs, yeah. Okay, oh, it's cool, yeah. You can do the desktop function with your DMs now. Um, I like that question because it's always like, how many things you're trying to consume at once and then you have to leave the computer? Like, I'll leave 11 (laughs) tabs open so I can come back. Yeah. Awesome. And uh, what are three of your favorite investment books that you've read? Huh. Intelligent Investor, I think that's probably a given. Mm -hmm. There's one that's not really an investment book but it's called the end asset and that one is just talking about how you can have both and i don't agree with everything in that book because it talks into like it it talks about like life insurance and you know all that jazz okay but i really like the concept of doing this and that (laughs) so this concept just really like got stuck in my mind and i'm like yeah that that is what i'm doing my whole life like i'm always trying to do this and that right Um, so that's another one not sure about the third one. I'm still looking for like better books to read, but at the same time, I'm also a very like internet visual person, and so a lot of the things that I learn about is always online in the form of like articles or like interviews or like just YouTube videos, and so yeah. a lot of the things are not in the form of books. It's true. I didn't realize like YouTube is something I've only started really using this year as like a learning tool. It's so good. Oh my gosh. You gotta dig yeah. through some crap, but you'll find some good stuff. Oh yeah, you definitely need to dig through some crap. And I 
wish there's like a more systematic way for people to learn about how to dig through crap because I feel like a lot of the things that I know it comes from like maybe instinct it comes from experience too like experience yeah so it's easy for me to filter out the bs but for a lot of people it's hard to filter out the bs yeah that's a good course idea how to filter out the bs and work on that yeah Yeah, it's true yeah (laughs) teach you how to determine what's an ad or what's not like That would actually do really well. Oh, there, there's a YouTube channel called Coffee Villa. I think they kind of talk about that. Okay, they cool. They kind of talk about, like, fakeroos and people who are just, like, scamming money. It's wild. But, like, you see it on Instagram as well. You see it on all these different platforms. And oh, my God. I was never so ex- cringy. So cringy. And I was never exposed to it until my day job. But when, like, it's probably just someone in a developing country just trying their best, right? So, like, you, you got to feel bad, but, like, at the same time... Like, you don't want to have spam everywhere. Gosh. Yeah, so, but yeah. the internet is a, is a hell of an interesting place. Uh, last one before we go. As someone that has the accounting background, any little budgeting tips or tricks that you can share for the listeners? Okay. Like personal all, ones. Yeah. I am just going to talk about my own experience. And cool, my okay. own experience is that I tracked, when I first started, I tracked my prior, I think, two to three months expenses to see how I should form my budget. Right. And then I also looked through everything on my credit card. So I put 99.99% of my purchases on my credit card. Yeah. So I'm able to look at the bank statement. I'm able to put in like down to the penny how much I spent. And it's looked all in that. the one place. That's smart. Yeah. Yeah, it's all in one place. And um, I looked at that and looked at what fat I can trim. And so after that procedure, I move on with my life. And I'm like, this is how much I'm going to spend on these. But then as I make money, because I start my budget when I was in college, so that was kind of like a different, a different stage in life, I was like spending more than I made. Yeah, okay. And when I graduate college, I really start to add the investment component into it. And so I treat my investments as if I treat my bills. So you're so paying attention. If, yeah, if my bills have like first priority then my investments also have first priority and it's set up in a way that it's automatically deposited into the investment investment account and yeah. so i use m1 finance and so every single monday 200 dollars would come out of my bank account into my m1 finance portfolio rain or shine no matter if the market's up or down right and this is how i do dollar cost averaging and so yeah the way the way i budget is really i feel like that is the biggest component component that has changed is that i really added a lot more emphasis on investing and really treat it as if it's just like something that I have to do like it's my bill like I have to pay it because it's automatic yeah or it's like your first payment if anything like pay yourself mm-hmm. first and then your needs because I've set yeah. mine up that way I have about like a two thousand dollar monthly budget but at least 400 of it is investing so it's like yeah I try to save whatever I don't spend and then whatever I send into my TFSA is just also yeah yeah Free money or well it's not free money it's money you earned right but yeah more people need to start paying themselves first that's great awesome well thank you so much for coming on cherry where can people find uh more about you so i recently rebranded my instagram to be cherry tongue.co so it's just cherry and then last name t-u-n-g dot co you can find me on instagram i'm on youtube cherry tongue same thing cherry and t-u-n-g i'm most active on these two platforms obviously you can also find me in my um, teachable course and also my one-on-one coaching program you can hop on a free call with me to see whether if we're the right fit if I can help you yes yeah and so you have a website as well 
Yes, it's also cherrytone.co. Okay. Even though it's really ugly right now, because as a corporate <laughs> accountant, building a website is not part of what I know. So it's super ugly right now, super basic. I'm gonna fix it some at some point. Yeah, get some IT friends to help you out. But no, it looks good. I was looking at it earlier, but you've got many places to be found. So everyone that's right. listening, go check her out, and you can connect with Cherry. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Did I say bye? <laughs> And that's our show, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to episode 35. And you can find this podcast at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, and at anchor.fm slash highly invested. I hope you enjoyed this episode and got some value out of it. And if you did, it would be great if you could go leave a review or a rating so that I can see who's listening and it helps out with the organic reach. But also, if you know anyone that might be interested or we get some value out of it, if you can share it along and pass it to them, that would be fantastic. And my thoughts and best wishes go to anyone that has been affected by the current global situation. So I do hope that everyone that is out there can stay home. Uh, We will beat this. This will pass. But most importantly, stay happy, stay healthy, and stay positive. This is your host, Jordan Hiley, signing off. Stay highly invested in yourselves, everybody. Until next time.